Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Wise Athletes Podcast, where we invite you to join our journey to understand how older athletes can achieve high performance and longevity in athletics. I am Joe Lavelle with Dr. Glenn Winkle, and this is Episode 6 of our podcast. Today we will hear from John Oyen, a Nederland, Colorado resident and 78-year-old wise athlete, about the real value of athletics in living a long, healthy, and meaningful life. Glenn and I have known John for several years. We asked John to join us on Wise Athletes to share with us his secrets to athletic longevity. I was hoping for secret elixirs and lost recovery techniques, but John surprised me. John's pearls and rubies on the value of remaining athletic throughout life are far more meaningful and central to the philosophy of wise athletes than the rough garnets I was hoping to find. Listen in as we hear John's tale and benefit from his wisdom. As always, Glenn and I hope you find this information helpful in your quest to become a wise athlete. Okay, John. Well, thanks for joining us. I appreciate you taking some time. Uh, you know, we've known each other for a while. Um, I can still recall the first time we rode together. I was astonished at how fast you went. I, I remember thinking, I don't want to work out this hard today. Um, Were you on I, your kid's bike or what? <laughs> no, no, I was on my bike, man. I, I was uh, right up until that moment, I was feeling pretty good about myself. And, uh, and then you were kicking my ass. Uh, and it, in any case, I wanted to say that, I, you know, you're the perfect, almost poster child for wise athletes, the, the athletic 78 year old man who's still, who's been doing it for a long time and is still doing it and is going to be doing it for a long time yet. I just thought that it would be great. And I appreciate you taking time to join us so that we can collect your story and your advice for other masters athletes who want to stay athletic through the second half of their lives. Let's just take this a bite at a time. John, in a sentence or two, what is your secret to your athletic longevity? Well, so other than being extremely stubborn, I've always had a very, very strong work ethic. And I believe in living every day to its fullest. So if I get four hours of sleep, it's a good night. <laughs> so... No, I think it's tenacity, desire, and more than that, it's, you mentioned being an example. Being an example to others is, to me, one of the greatest things we can do in our lives. And in addition, this sport provides us, any sport really, with the opportunity to develop so many wonderful friendships. And you two certainly uh, are part of that. And that's that's probably the largest motiv motivator, friends and, and peers. That sounds good. Thank you. Let's go back to the beginning, John. Can you walk us through your, you know, your story, your athletic story? How did you become an athlete? How, how did you, and how did you go from there to hear. Okay, I'll keep it short. Um, so I grew up in the Netherlands, and when I was 12, we moved to a, to a new area. And a block away from the house in the winter, 
they set up this huge outdoor ice rink. And my dad had a pair of figure skates, so he would go out and skate. And I didn't really care for that too much. I liked speed skating because they, they had races on the weekend. So I saved enough to buy a pair of wooden speed skates and uh, skated two or three hours every night after school and, and, and weekends. And that was sort of the beginning. How old were you there? Were like I was 12? 14, 14. 14. Well, when I started, I was 12. And then we immigrated to the U.S., when I was 14 and being the oldest of nine and being totally responsible for helping my family with their finances, I spent all my time during high school working after hours. So I didn't really have any free time. I did uh, run some track while I was in school, but that was only a couple of times a week. And uh, when I turned 29, I had a chance to, I met one of the speed skaters at the University of Illinois. And they, the Fraternal Order of Police had a huge speed skating club. I'm sure you're all familiar with Bonnie Blair. Yes. Yeah, right? Well, Bonnie was eight years old and was skating on the sides of her shoes. She couldn't stand up on them. But anyway, that's when I got back into speed skating and raced a couple of years. Uh, through that connection, uh, I found out that in the summer, almost all of them were bike racers. So I thought, well, you know, I'll get a bike and start riding. So I did that. And then I found out that the ones that weren't speed skating in the winter were cross-country skiing. And I thought, gee, that sounds like fun. So I took that up. <laughs> so anyway, the speed, speed skating went by the wayside because of time and where I, I moved from there and it, it, there was no rink available nearby. And I started cross-country skiing, which I found out was my best sport. And uh, first, I'll never forget this, the first 10K race I was in, I didn't have any skills other than going forward because <laughs> I was running a lot at the time. <laughs> So there was a there was a young contingent of Polish skiers. They were all teens. <laughs> it was a 10k race, and uh, you know I asked and say, "Well, you know who's who's the favorite to win this race?" And the reply was, "Well, these young Polish guys are unbeatable." So I was <laughs> anyway. I thought, well, you know, I know how to run. I'll just. Uh, try to stay with them, which I did. I got in the lead with them. And with uh, one lap to go, we came around a corner and we were going a little bit faster and I didn't really know how to go downhill. So I went headfirst into a tree, dislocated my thumb, and that should have been the end of the race. But getting back to that stubbornness, I jumped up, grabbed my thumb, pulled it out of the socket, took off after them, and I beat them by like 10 feet at the line. Wow, you are stubborn. So, had nothing to do with skill, you know. So, and, and, and so that was fun, and I, I, I was running a lot at the time. And uh, training for a marathon, Chicago Marathon, and my knee hurt. 
and it got so bad I had to give up running. So I decided, well, why not get back on the bike, right? So I, I'd been riding a little bit, so I got back, back on the bike, started racing, and found out that I really sucked at bike racing. Terrible. Didn't have the power, didn't have the speed, had no skills, and I had a lot to learn. It was all up from there, huh? It was all up from there, yeah. Yeah, so that's, so, you know, I've maintained that. And uh, living in Colorado, of course, I'm fortunate enough to be able to cross-country ski a lot. And I think that gives you a, a fitness base that really carries over into cycling. How are the trees doing around your house? I haven't hit any. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> no, I, so in the Nordic skiing, I, I started doing marathons, and that I found out what I was good at, and that was long distance. And that, you know, most of those are between 50 and 90 kilometers. So that was a really good learning experience. And I learned from, from some really good pros. And uh, then I got a cycling coach, and that really helped. Did I answer your question? Yes, it did. Uh, well, go ahead and expand on um, your uh, cycling coach having helped you. How did the coach help? Well, the coach, the first coach I had, as I alluded to earlier in the conversation, was too young, too advanced, and didn't really know how to work with senior athletes. So I was, I got back in, back into bike racing when I turned 69. And uh, so the workouts were just crazy. You know, it didn't help me. It hurt me. So I ran into uh, an, another guy who was coaching who was really good. And he helped me work on building my power and doing proper intervals. Uh, one of the greatest workouts that he taught me to do, and I think I mentioned it to Glenn in a conversation we had, was doing standing intervals. And he would have me start on left-hand canyon, stand up, doing 50 cadence, not breathing hard, but having it in the... 52, 11, or 10, whatever I had, and standing up for four minutes, and then sitting down and spinning for four minutes and doing five repeats. And that was so hard to do because it works, you know, your whole body. And then the second week, we did the same workout, only we did eight minutes with eight minutes of rest. The third week, we did 12 minutes standing up times five with eight minutes of rest. And by the end of the last interval, I was in ward. <laughs> so I'm like, hey, this works, you know. And, and I think Glenn saw me do that a little bit in that first Venn uh, top workout we did. So I, th I, I realized that, you know, what the coach told me, he said, this is a workout nobody wants to do. And you rarely see anyone even try it. And if you do it, you can kill it on the hills. So I did that. And was it true? Yeah, I'm good at watching other people and learning from them. From them. And I think I'm a good listener. Now, retaining all of that, you know, at my age now, that kind of slips once in a while. But They invented pencil and paper a long time ago. So You're kidding. 
That was before the iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the coaching uh, was very beneficial to me, and I, I learned from it. I, I retained what was taught. You know, I keep track of my workouts on training peaks, and yeah, it was very good. Was there anything else about working with a coach that was important to you? Yes. Um, I think psychologically it gives you a great deal of confidence with the right coach. And it, I think it gives you a good mental attitude. So you know you can win as long as you don't make too many mistakes. Okay. Well, thank you. Oh, and I shift gears just a little bit mm -hmm. and talk about longevity. Did, uh, have you ever thought much about longevity, um, whether in life or in athletics? Yes, I have a great deal for one. One of the primary reasons is uh, that I have an inherited blood disorder called thalassemia B minor, which limits the size of your red blood cells, and it limits their ability to let go of oxygen. So on a normal day, my oxygen, my ability to process oxygen is probably between 15 and 20% less than the two of you. So this again relates to my stubbornness. Uh, the first doctor that gave me that diagnosis was right after I moved to Boulder. And she said, you know, John, with this blood disorder, you're going to have to really take it easy, not do any physical activity, and you're not going to live very long. Wow. What a ray of sunshine she was. What a ray of sunshine. So John did all this research he could find, which wasn't much. And I found out that that was not the case. That in fact, because of my inability to process oxygen, my heart rate won't go up as high. And it actually helps me live a longer life. All right. So <laughs> at that point, I said, hey, screw this. I'm going to get back into athletics, train smart. So I, I do have to watch how I train, not overdo it. I have to have rest days. But the whole, the whole gist of that is it made me realize that I wanted to live every day like it was my last. And I wanted to have a lot of those. And I don't think about getting old because I don't feel old. I don't think I feel any different than I did when I was 40, other than the few aches and pains. And my attitude is no different now than it was then. My attitude is if I use my brain and use my body the way it's trained, I can accomplish whatever I want to accomplish. And, you know, that gives you a lot to look forward to in life. And it really helps you tell that story to other athletes. And um, talking about athletics related to longevity, was your idea to just keep, you talked about um, living life to its fullest every day. And so obviously your athletic endeavors are a part of living a good life. But was there ever any thought to how athletics can help you to have a long, healthy life? Yes, because it, it allows you to, to one, I mean, I started my own business and I've been doing what I do. My investment advisory firm is now 34 years old. So I've been doing that for a while. And that 
the biggest benefit of that is, and, and that's related to health. I can help my clients when they're having issues with their health. I can give them some advice if I'm asked. And I can make their lives better by increasing their wealth. And so basically, there again, it goes back to trying to set an example in my lifestyle that helps others. And the largest benefit of helping others, as you know, is to ourselves. Well, is there anything you do in your athletics or uh, related to your athletics, say, to avoid injury, like to your joints or to your heart, you know, or otherwise, that is intended to keep you from, you know, having to stop being an athlete? So that that answer is kind of mixed. Uh, My wife would tell you that I take way too many risks. Well, like what? I don't necessarily agree with that, but (laughs) there it is. Um, She is afraid that I'm going to hurt myself and not be able to do what we both like to do. And I think, and this goes back to how you want to live your life and why you want to live a long life, it's not a good life if you live in fear of having an accident where you live in fear of becoming ill. It's okay to be concerned about it and think about it. But, you know, when we go for a bike ride, the first thing we think about is not, well, I'm not going to try to get killed today. The first thing we think about is we're going to have a good, fun ride and get a good workout in and see our friends, right? So I'm not sure I'm answering your question properly. But... uh, the only time that I th- that I'm scared is if I'm sta- if I'm on my mountain bike and I'm standing at the top of the hill that drops off like seventy percent full of rocks, and I'm wondering what the hell I'm doing there. The rest of the time, it's just fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's when I'm glad I've got tread on my cycling shoes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um... So is there anything you do to stay strong for your athletics uh, or to keep your hours sitting in a contorted position on a bicycle from damaging you in some way? So what I do when I start my day, I usually do just three or four little yoga stretching routines. And I do things that limber up, uh, mainly because a while back I saw a video on YouTube by a world-class athlete who was saying, don't stretch before a race. Get your joints moving. Because if you stretch, your performance can be inhibited by as much as 25% who you're stretching afterwards. And so I used to do stretching before a workout. And I tried the other way, and it's way better. It's remarkable. And I do, so the only strength things I do are planks. And I'd like to say that I do those every day. And I would like to say that, but I can't. So if I do them twice a week, it's probably normal, maybe three. Um, And every couple of weeks, I'll do some step-ups with small weights, you know, 25 pounds. 
And uh, other than running the snowblower and shoveling snow, which is fairly often here, that's probably it. A, a hiking, yeah. But, you know, those are, those are probably the only items. All right. Uh, my next question, mm -hmm. you know, after so many years, uh, since you were 12 years old, of being an athlete, surely you have noticed changes in how your body functions. And I'm wondering, you know, what have you done to try to compensate or to uh, address some of these changes that you may have noticed? And I, and I suppose perhaps I'm wrong and you have not noticed anything. Oh, no, no, you're not wrong. Number one is uh, diet. I am the thinnest I've ever been in my entire life. You probably can't tell by looking at my face. I'm down to 137 pounds. And when I started riding at 69, I started racing. Three months before I started that, I weighed 192. Congratulations. So weight, eating healthy, being careful about what I drink. Uh, I do take supplements. Um, I take a very tiny amount of uh, thyroid medicine. My thyroid is a bit low. And I take monolaurin so I don't get a cold. And um, liquid uh, D3. And I take that three times a day. That's it. Awesome. Well, it seems to be working well for you. I try not to, yeah, I try not to overdo my workouts, uh, which is kind of a joke because we all do. We're competitive, and that's part of the joy. Do you have any recovery secrets, things that you like to do that you think work for you? So I tend to drink perhaps a little too much when it comes to liquids prior to a race. Uh, I always make sure I drink uh, some recovery drink after a long ride, which is very beneficial. And I certainly believe in uh, ingesting food during a ride instead of being hungry when you finish. Right. Start to your recovery yeah. before the ride is over. Yeah, because as you know, if you don't do that, you'll be more hungry when you're done. You'll eat more and you'll gain weight. Awesome. Well, let me ask you, uh, John, do you still compete? The only comp competing I do right now is on Zwift. So the answer is yes. And there's a series of, uh, as Glenn knows, there's a series of uh, masters races that are actually age groups, uh, ZHR masters. There are two of those a week. And this week I didn't do any, and last week I didn't do any, but other than that, I do it every week. Well, what age group, what, what's the range for your age group? So there's a 70 plus, but when you go to the results, they actually do like the UCI, they break it down by five years. Uh, okay. So I'm in 75 plus. How are you doing in those? I'm trying to remember how many I've done. I think I've done... Glenn probably knows better than I do. I think I've done 
13 or 14 and I've won all but three and I got two silvers and a bronze. Wow. So you can't always win. That's pretty good. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, if, if I can get on the podium ever, I'm pleased by that. Well, the part of that is because it's a, it's an older age group, you know, so the, the groups are smaller. It seems like a number of athletes in my age group. And I think I've become fairly good at figuring out how someone is doing when I'm riding with them. So if I test them on the first hill, on the first lap, and I test them on the second hill, and I test them again on the next to last lap, on the first hill, and there's a sign of weakness, I'll attack on the second hill, lap next to last lap, and I'm gone. You know, so that's usually how it goes, and that's just luck. Luck combined with being a heartless son of a gun, huh? Just a complete asshole, yeah. <laughs> got to put a little little color in here. Well, John, I'm, uh, I've only got one last question for you. Okay. Uh, and that is talking to other uh, people listening to the podcast, other older athletes, what advice would you give them? Some of them might be in your age group, but probably most of them are younger, you know, and maybe you could think back on what you've done and maybe things you wish that you did sooner and give advice to our audience. Okay. So I hope that I'm in a position to give advice. Well, I guess the first thing I would say is don't put limits on your life or yourself. Take the opportunities as they come along. Develop all the friendships you can find and help others, which is the greatest benefit, is helping others. But in this sport or almost any other sport, it's so easy to develop friendships. It's so easy to see what can be accomplished. And that in itself creates a desire within us to emulate what others are doing and leads to a much healthier lifestyle. Instead of thinking, gee, I hope I can still do this when I'm 60, we start thinking, gee, I hope I can do this for as long as I live. You know, I think it's quite, maybe an oversimplification, probably is, but that's how I feel. And you ha the support that you find in sport is beyond belief. You wouldn't be talking to me today if you were not an athlete and someone who wants to help other people. It's inherent in all of you. That's the gold on the podium. It is the friendships and the lifestyle that we inherit by doing something that we either learn to enjoy or we've always enjoyed. What was the other part of your question? Well, I think that you've answered it. It, it was just advice for the master's athlete so that they can have their best shot at having athletic longevity. 
Yeah, I, th I think perhaps one other part of it is look at the alternatives. And the alternatives are not that attractive. We see those around us. And the best thing we can do is try to help others achieve a better lifestyle. Well, John, it's really interesting how um, when you go over to Europe, they have categories in Europe that go beyond just 60 and 70 years. They have an 80 plus category and a 90 plus category. And when I raced the world championships in 1981, there were four guys in the 90 plus category and they were climbing the same Alps that we were climbing, the same roads, the same steepness. In fact, one of the hills was so large that my sister who was in her 40s was on a borrowed bike, a rental bike, and she couldn't even ride up the hill on that bike. It was that steep. And when those 90-year-olds came up that hill, the whole place went absolutely bonkers. They were yelling and cheering and everything else because they, they recognized what they were doing at 90-plus years old was quite amazing. They weren't in some nursing home with oatmeal dripping out of their, you know, out of their mouths and wearing diapers. They were on their bikes racing up the Alps in Austria at the World Championships. And that was truly amazing. And the, and the Europeans certainly celebrate, you know, athletic performance well into the late years of age, which is something we don't quite do here much in the U.S. It seems like after we hit age 65, it's retire and, uh, you know, kind of give up everything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. One, one thing that I was going to mention, uh, a lot of us start athletics at a very early age, and rather than doing it for the enjoyment, we're pushed into making it all about the competition. And I think many of them burn out. And I didn't have that. And it was mostly fun. And as I got older and I got back into it, it's still just as much fun, if not more. But my competitiveness has actually increased, which is kind of surprising. But, but, but I, think it's, I think the largest part of that are the ability to use your brain and tactics instead of your legs and testing yourself and testing the people around you to see how they react to things that you might do. And that's, that's great fun. And it keeps the brain working, you know? We've just really gotten this podcast off the ground and we are doing it in order to help people uh, and ourselves, you know, as we learn, as we go through this journey. I'd heard the concept of a centurion Olympics a few years ago. And I thought, yeah, that's it. I want to continue feeling like a strong person, that that great feeling of my body working hard for a, for the rest of my life. It's a sports is fun and it's a, an important part of a good life. And I wanted a long one and a healthy one, but it couldn't be fun if I couldn't have athletics. So I think that, uh, I think that we're all sort of on the same page here. Uh, Glenn, was there uh, something you wanted to add? Yes, Joe. In fact, um, every four years, there's an event called the World Master Games. It's like the, it's the Olympics for master athletes. And it's probably one of the largest sporting events in the world. And I think it was 1994, they had it in Portland, Oregon. And I was out there for the, for the event. And it was every sport was imaginable was there, from weightlifting to bike racing, running events, marathons, um, swimming, tennis. Every sport you can imagine for anyone of any age group was there. And the fun part was that there was a gentleman there 
who was 105 years old. He was the oldest person at the World Master Games. He was 105 years old. And CNN came up to him and asked him an interesting question. They said to him, well, what does it feel like to be at the World Master Games at 105? And his response, I will never, ever forget. And he said, well, you know what? Uh, it's, it's When you're 105 years old, it feels good to be anywhere. And so I'll never forget that. And it's really true is that, you know, when you get to be up in those older ages, it's just the fun of being at an event like that with all these other athletes around you who are all really into being healthy and being fit at an older age. And that's really the goal of what we're trying to do is keep people healthy and fit for a lifetime, not just into their 60s and 70s, but 80s and 90s and beyond. Yeah, so to go along with that, I think our culture, and it's changing somewhat, has always embedded the idea that, you know, when, you, when, you, when you're working, you work until you retire, and hopefully you do that early. And as soon as you retire, you can rest, sit in your easy chair, and enjoy life. And it's a big, the biggest disservice you can do to a human being. We have to change that. We have to help change that even more than it has. And, and instill the idea that as long as you remain active, as long as you keep your mind sharp, your body sharp, you can do whatever you want. Sure, there are limits, but there aren't very many. And it's a much more comfortable lifestyle. It's a much more rewarding lifestyle. And it's a lifestyle that basically we all desire. It's not complicated. But I think what you're doing with these podcasts will definitely help athletes think about what they're doing, what they can accomplish, and what their rewards are. Well, thank you, John. Those are perfect words on which to end this episode. John Oyen, thank you very much. Thank you so much for listening in to our discussion with John Oyen about the true value of remaining athletic throughout a long, healthy life. John's belief in the value of camaraderie and social connection and in the rich opportunities to make and help athletic friends makes all the difference in achieving and enjoying a long, healthy, meaningful life. If you head over to wiseathletes.com, you can send us a question to address on the podcast, see all of our episodes, and you can sign up for our newsletter. If you are on social media and enjoyed this episode, please post about it. That would be a great help. Glenn and I will be back soon with more useful information for Wise Athletes.